Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at MetalCloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the MetalCloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, MetalCloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. Or go belly up to the bar and say, here, take my kids. I'm going over here. That's not what it's about. The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matt's from Medical Care, and welcome to episode 226 of The Modern Jeeper Show. Corey and Jesse are deep in the weather someplace back east, and I've been busy here at the shop making sure all our awesome Modern Jeeper customers are getting what they need and needing what they get. So yes, the last couple weeks have been hard to settle down and get that podcast done. But since next week is Jeepers Jamboree, the granddaddy of them all, I thought it was a perfect time to revisit episode 75, our visit with the man who makes Jeepers Jamboree happen, Bob Sweeney. The episode was originally recorded in July of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and the lockdowns. So Bob digs into why, despite everything and lots of community support, they decided to cancel Jeepers Jamboree that year, the first time in 67 years. How their county was threatened by California's Governor Newsom. How they get 800 Jeeps through this epic trail. Why the Rubicon Trail depends on Jeepers Jamboree for its own survival. Having incredible volunteers. The Jeep Jamboree Kids Program called Camp Rubicon. What the history is between Jeepers Jamboree and JJUSA and going Ultra 4. By the way, this is an audio-only episode, but you can watch many of our other episodes by visiting youtube.com slash modernjeeper. As always, we are incredibly grateful for this episode to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Nacho Lighting, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. Now, sit back, relax to the cold one, and enjoy episode 226 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, it's another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show with me, Matson from Metal Cloak, and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, Matson. And Rockstar Jeep Girl, Jesse. How you doing, girl? I'm great. How are you, Matson? I'm fantastic. Oh, man. So it has been another, well, I think we were already discussing this. All of us are scattered a little bit right now. Me scattered for different reasons than you guys, because you've been out wheeling again. It's like you talked about last week. You just immediately, like... Got out of Sacramento, you know, you got off the Rubicon Trail, came by here, visited for a few days, drove back to Colorado and just started wheeling again. I mean, yeah, that, that's the modern Jeeper lifestyle right there. Oh, you know, it's funny. Um, I was actually thinking about it on our drive back over from Moab today. And do you know that we were just out there a week ago? <laughs> you're just in Sacramento a week ago. And- you're already in Moab. So wait, wait, wait. I knew you guys were doing some stuff in Colorado, <laughs> but what did you do in Moab again? So, so we left, we basically got off the Rubicon. We spent the weekend in Sacramento visiting the folks with Metal Cloak and got to see you for a little bit. 
we headed home and we had a group come over. We, we got home Wednesday. We had a group show up Thursday. So we took uh, a few folks up into the San Juans and spent some time up in Yankee Boy Basin. Uh, we ran Black Bear and Imogene Pass, had a bunch of rain, some rock slides, some mud slides. Literally, day before yesterday, I guess Monday morning, we got up and went over to Moab. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took a couple of the people that were with us in the San Juans over to Moab. But uh, I got to give a shout out to the Mid-Ohio Jeepers organization, uh, Mojo on Facebook. Those guys had a group uh, from Ohio come out, about 17, 18 rigs, all super great people. We went over there. They're running trails all this week in Moab. So we went and spent about a day and a half with them, uh, a little bit of Moab Rim action, some Hell's Revenge action. Uh, Jesse took a couple of uh, folks uh, up to the top of the world yesterday. We loaded everything back up this morning and drove home. I'm back in Colorado and it's pouring down rain. And we have another group uh, coming in this weekend to do the San Juan stuff all over again. Wow. So you're like, <laughs> so how, what is the drive from, from where you're at to your house to Moab? How long is that drive? It's about three hours, three hours and 30 minutes, uh, depending on traffic and heat and that kind of stuff. But um, it's, it's not a bad drive, not a bad drive at all. Well, it's not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's an hour and a half, two hours to get from my office to the head, of, you know, to the trailhead of the Rubicon. So, you know, three hours to be into Moab and have all that in your essentially in your backyard is not bad. I'll take it. No, uh, no, it's, yeah. it's you know this is this has definitely been one of those weeks that I'm I've I've a little bit lost track of some days. Uh, <laughs> things are things are running together a little bit, um, but you know it's we haven't been busy for a long time, and and now I feel like it's a really good time to take advantage. Uh, there's been a lot of groups coming over into Colorado and Moab trying to get outside and if we can help in any way shape or form it's been it's been really fun well that's cool that's very cool plus you're getting content and of course as modern jeeper we're all about content 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 yes and jeeping I'm, jeeping jeeping i'm looking for this uh this picture that I'm, I'm gonna have to reach out to keith who's who heads up that that mojo group i'd love a picture of all of their their folks wearing our our new uh, modern Jeeper face covers, and there's about 30 of them out there. I think that I I gave uh, face masks to. So I'm uh, looking uh, for that picture. That's awesome. And for all of our our listeners, we're working to get those up on the MetalClick.com website, the Modern Jeeper Neck Gaiters, and the MetalClick Neck Gaiters. And these are not like you know little throw around the neck neck gaiters. I think we talked about it before. These are some high quality hemmed. You know, uh, the material is just is the type of material you want to use on a backpacking trip, you know, not only to to cover your head, but your neck, get it wet. Yeah, I mean, these are these are really, really nice pieces. Yeah. Yeah. They and it's nice because just putting it around your neck, putting it up, pulling it up over your face. It's cooler than a lot of these cotton. You know, I was using some cotton neck gaiters that I had and uh, that's just not very comfortable. And, uh, you know, we're trying to be uh, good 
stewards of some of these new rules and regulations and whatnot and <laughs> pull, pull that thing up and go into a place. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Yeah, no, it is, it is interesting. There's a lot of little things that we'll do and we're not, again, we're not going to, we might get a little more political with our guests, but we're not going to be a little political right now as much, but right. it, 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 you know, a lot of these rules, we, we go along and we do what we can to be a part of it because really anything we can do to make sure we're still doing what we want to do. That's right. It is, is important. And getting out there and jeeping, that's great. Being able to do that. And, and uh, as the shirt says, social distancing since 1941, we'll take it. We'll take it. Okay. So what's, so you got another group coming in there the, this weekend. Um, you've got, you just did several different groups. You've been out wheeling. Where does it stop? What's your next thing? Don't you have an event coming up in two weeks? <laughs> so, yeah. So I was just looking at the calendar and I think, um, the plan is going to be that we're going to head off to Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion. Those guys, that's in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Those guys are still uh, planning that event. I'm I'm kind of beside myself that it's still going to take place, but we're going <laughs> to head that direction. Um, you know, we're going to use it as another job or tour and to meet up with some of these clubs and stuff that we don't get a chance to see all the time. So here in probably about a week or so, we'll start heading uh, back up towards that that mid Midwest northeastern side of the country, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be again. It, it's kind of every state's different, like we've seen every county, every city. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that the Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion is is a good event for them, and um, you know, we'll support it as best we can. It may be the chance that the people need to get up on the CTI trailer that haven't had a chance to see us very much. And, you know, getting any kind of a gathering together is proven to be a challenge. So that may that may be a big event. No, well, it will be. I mean, if it's if it goes off and it's already a big event, I mean, it's already one of these events where you just can't can't fathom the the image of all the jeeps parked and all the jeeps up and down the road and weren't they building a new parking lot because we had the organizer on the podcast last year and they were going to build a whole nother parking lot just to be able to handle some of the overflow need to yeah and they and i think that parking lot is finished and it's my understanding that the organizers the the basically the municipalities the people in charge of the the town have said hey it's all on you if you guys want to have it we'll support you so wow. I think a little bit of that is kind of, uh, you know, who's going to point the finger at the end of the day and who's going to take some responsibility. <laughs> and who really cares? Because right. you know, there's certain parts of the country where, yeah, what happens in Washington doesn't really affect us that much. We're just here trying to enjoy our life, live our life and kick back with a good drink and enjoy a day. That's right. That's Got to right. respect that. Got to respect that. Uh, well, you know, it's, it, that says a lot about California and we are, we are, of course, in California are in the midst of lots of different regulations and lots of different changes. And, and we went both from being open into being closed. And, and so, um, you know, our guest, uh, had to deal with that pretty heavily. And, uh, Bob Sweeney is the president of Jeepers Jamboree, which is really the granddaddy event. I mean, if you're thinking about any events that have existed in the history of using Jeeps, Jeepers Jamboree is the one. Yeah, you know, it started out just going out across the Rubicon Trail with some guys and some military Jeeps, and it grew from there. And we've decided to bring Bob on because, well, 
last weekend was supposed to be Jeepers Jamboree. And um, Bob took it upon himself to do what he could for the community and had to cancel that event the first time in how many years, Bob? Well, it's been 60. We were going to do our 67th Jeepers Jamboree. We started in 1953 and nothing has ever stopped us like what just happened. Wow. Well, Bob, first, let me say welcome to the show. Welcome to Modern Jeeper. Glad you could take the time to uh, to join us. But uh, we definitely want to talk about uh, Jeepers Jamboree, Jeep Jamboree, the, the history, and uh, what you guys just went through, because this is, this is definitely extraordinary. Very much. You know, uh, nobody would have thought a um, common cold would stop so much that it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's more and more like that. Only, only history will tell us whether or not the decisions made this year were the right ones or the wrong ones. You know, you can only, only do that. But you, you guys were down to the wire planning this. I mean, literally, the the moment you decided to cancel, how long ago was that? It was just a few weeks ago, wasn't it? It was. It was uh, thirty days, actually, thirty, 30 days, days from our trip, day of our trip. And what what made us cancel it was. When Governor Newsom said that he has put recommendations out, and if the counties were not following his recommendations, he would cut off all their state funds. And, you know, the big reason in 1953 why uh, Mark Smith and a group of guys started Jeepers Jamboree was to bring revenue into El Dorado County. So we've, we've done that for 67 years now. And when he spoke that, I talked to my partners and said, guys, we cannot be those gentlemen that stops the revenue, the the state funds coming to our community. Mm. The community focused look. Absolutely. So what did the community say, though? Was the community supporting you and letting you doing it? Or were they they talking to you about it as well? So with all that, I went in to get we we are pretty much the only ones that put a trip on on the Rubicon with permits. We do a uh, parade permit on the trail, so it's just our participants. We get food service permits, and we have permits through the U.S. Forest Service. None of them would give me the document, but they all told me, go ahead and go because our community needs the revenue. You know, the people staying at hotels, the people Mm -hmm. getting gas, buying ice, all that. That brings a lot of money into El Dorado County and Placer County. Absolutely. You know, and they all said, I I asked them, you know, are we going to, if we do put it on without having a written permission, are we going to put ourselves in jeopardy for the next few years, the the years after? And they said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So we were going forward until uh, Newsom announced that that he was going to cut off funds. And with that, our insurance has a uh, line item on it saying any illegal activity cancels our insurance. Oh, boy. So by going against the state of California, that's an illegal activity. Wow. Uh, That's a, that's a, yeah, there's a, there's a slippery slope there. Wow. So, okay, so you guys make the decision. And so now we're in a position where the, for the first time ever, Jeepers Jamboree and Jeep Jamboree, and we'll let everybody, we'll kind of talk about the history and why there's two different events is not going on. But how is the other event going on, 
JG that's USA? A, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I, and I, I am not the guy to be able to answer how he can still go on, how they can go on, but they are. And you're saying, do they, do they get a permit? Not that I know of. Yeah, it's very, my, my understanding is that, uh, their event is, is going forward yet. It's very quiet. Um, I think that would be, that would equate to, uh, flying under the radar. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure this is a little side story here, but I'm not sure Bob knows this, but, uh, how influential he was in, uh, earlier in my off-road world. Um, he and I ran into each other at, uh, unlimited off-road expo in Louisville, Kentucky, one of Axel Stammel's event. And I ran into him in the hotel and I never, never really sat down with Bob and, and had a chance to talk. And we talked about a lot of things that I was doing at the time and, and the events and, and the, the folks I was supporting and, and running around with. And, um, I don't know if Bob knows this, but he was pretty influential in, in the, some of the decisions I made going forward. Um, and it's interesting to me that, you know, like modern Jeeper adventures, we've always tried to fly above the radar. We, we want to do it right. And I've always felt that, uh, Jeep Jamboree has always wanted to do it right as well. So just throwing that out there. No <laughs> names have been mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it is true. And there's been a lot of events that we know of in some of the same areas that we've done events that, that do just go for it. And, um, you know, and they, they go out and they do it and they, they try to do that permits and it just doesn't make sense to us. I mean, it's, we even thought about it and I'll be, I'll be totally honest to our listenership. There were, because of all the stuff going on, we thought about completing and doing a couple of events where, well, we don't really need to get a permit to do this. We're kind of right on the edge between like what they require and what they don't. And we could probably get away with it if we're just not big, we can do this. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel right. Right. It just doesn't feel right to do that because, you know, first off it's relationships and and Bob, you can speak to this. I mean, there's, there's the relationships that you have um, going back years and years and years and years with this event that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt those relationships. You want to cultivate those relationships and, and make sure that next year when it all comes together, everybody's all on board and it happening again. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Corey and Madsen, we're all gamblers. We all get up in the morning and we gamble with everything, but yeah. to gamble, you have to have money or insurance or anything. You know, I, right. I look at my insurance is my money to gamble with. And if you don't have it, you can't do these things. Right. Right. You know, we always take chances in life. Off-roading is a big chance every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Every obstacle you go over is a gamble, a chance. I definitely have heard uh, in the last uh, two weeks of, uh, you know, I was out there with uh, the Crawl Magazine folks and shout out to, to Chris Hughes and John Herrick um, for, for getting that group together. Although it was very, very low profile. In fact, we all ran in there as individuals pretty much. Um, but the talk of on the town is people are missing these large events through there because the trail itself is in some of the roughest shape that it's ever been in. And 
it's because there hasn't been, I don't think, these large groups going through and cleaning a lot of the, the loose rocks up and, and doing some little bit of trail maintenance as it commonly occurs when we roll through there. But people are really talking about it, that they're missing these large events because it's it's a mess and people are struggling out there and breaking stuff. Absolutely. You know, I I went ahead and I took I took an opportunity last weekend to go in since we canceled. I took my family in. I was able to, my son, my daughter-in-law, my grandson, and my granddaughter. My grandson is three years old, and my granddaughter is one year old. Oh, wow. Amazing. It, it, it was awesome. I, it was the, a very awesome opportunity for me to show my grandkids, which are seven generations on the Rubicon. Of my mm. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, you because you guys go in weeks before the actual event, um, assess the trail, do trail cleanup. I mean, all your volunteers go and do work on the trail, getting it ready. Um, and not to mention all the work that happens during roll in on Thursday and Friday of Jeepers Jamboree when rocks are being rolled and, and stuff. So the trail itself benefits hugely from, from your event essentially, because I think that other event actually benefits from all the work that you guys do. Absolutely. The, the, from Loon Lake to Miller Lake, Jeepers Jamboree goes through there. We do a full cleanup. We do trail maintenance. Going to Rubicon Springs, we clear brush. We cut firewood. We, we dig outhouses. We do all this stuff that is not happening this year. So like you were saying earlier, the, the Rubicon Trail is taking a large hit wow. with us not being there. For sure. Yeah. Well, Corey's experienced it. And like Corey was saying, we've, that's what we're just consistently hearing is just how, how tore up it is. And, um, you know, people just got to go through and, and just take care of this year to when you do go through to, to treat the trail, respect the trail. Now, uh, going back, so let's go a little bit back more history. Cause I think we've talked about this before, Bob, but Jeep Jamboree and Jeepers Jamboree were those at one point, two separate events that you guys just merged or were they always under the same umbrella? Jeep Jamboree and Jeepers Jamboree has always been under the same roof. What it is, is Jeepers Jamboree, uh, 42 years ago, we had over an abundance of people. So we started Jeep Jamboree. I just want to stop for a second. 42 years ago, guys, 42 years ago, they were already over full. Yeah, <laughs> forty-two years yeah. ago, there was enough jeepers out there to keep them way busy. No, <laughs> was to, keep to, to put a to put a whole nother weekend on. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's that's huge. So we started the company started Jeep Jamboree and on the Rubicon, and we went on with that. But then also in nineteen eighty-two, Jeepers Jamboree, my ex partners that are no longer with us started Jeep Jamboree USA to go throughout the United States. Mm. In 1986, Mark Smith stepped away from Jeepers Jamboree and took Jeep Jamboree USA and ran with that. So he was the Mark Smith, the original founder of JJ USA, or was he just, he just, he was a partner in it. He was a partner in it. Yes. There was at back then there was 11 partners in Jeepers Jamboree. Oh, wow. And we had three different trips called, one was Jeepers Jamboree, the granddaddy, then Jeep Jamboree, and then we started Jeep Jamboree USA. 
And G Jamboree USA, G Jamboree USA wasn't intended at any point to initially to be a competitor on the Rubicon with a Rubicon trip. It was just going to be take the same experience and and experience it at trails across America. Correct. Okay. And then it kind of it's grown, obviously, and they have what is it, Corey? How many different trips now? Well, at one time, I mean, I think we were approaching 50, but I know a lot of those have kind of fell off, and I don't know if they're around 25 or so still active. Um, of course, <laughs> this year it's been a little interesting, but um, like like Bob said, you know, the fear is always when companies are, or, or uh, adventure companies are dealing with a permitting process, there's a fear of when you miss a year and you don't have those contacts with whether it's the BLM or the Forest Service and those kind of things is that next year, well, hey, we, we gave away that week because we didn't hear from you last year that that's a real thing. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a challenge, but I think there's still just got to be still 25 JJUSA events. But Jeepers, I mean, anybody's ever been to Jeepers Jamboree, if you are at all interested in the Rubicon Trail, and you enjoy a good drink, and I'm going to throw that in there because Jeepers Jamboree is definitely the party, you've got to put Jeepers Jamboree on your bucket list because that's just how many, let's go with last year, how many people, actual individual bodies did you have at Jeepers last year? 1,600. 1,600 people. And is that 800 Jeeps then? Or is yes, it, it was. 800 Jeeps. 800 Jeeps you guys get through the trail over two days. Uh, and, you know, some guys going early, like, you know, some of us vendors and stuff will go in on Wednesday or whatever. But 800 Jeeps over two days through that trail. that That's freaking incredible. It, I, the organization of volunteers to do that is incredible. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I, I have to pat all my volunteers on the back because we could not do it without them. I don't know that our listeners, I don't know that I comprehend those numbers because having been on the trail a number of times over the years to think about how long it takes, heavens, 20, 30, 40 into Rubicon Springs. I just said 40, 800. (laughs) For people who have been on the trail, they can kind of visualize that. For people who haven't, um, you've got to, number one, you've got to go out there and you've got to go into Georgetown. You've got to go see Bob, number one. And then you've got to go hit the trail and you've got to envision what 800 Jeeps looks like. Uh, I mean, Bob, that would probably stretch from the spillway at Loon, clear out the other side if they were to all line up. Almost, but that's why we have uh, rock rollers out there. So we can keep on moving. Everybody, we do not have, you'd think, oh gosh, that's like the interstate. It's going to be bumper to bumper. It is not. You know, our our rock rollers keep everybody moving. They keep the trail so the folks can keep going and moving through and not have that difficulties. You know, well, we love awesome. bringing first timers. That that is the 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 neat thing about us. You know, because we all know you don't go on a wheel by yourself. You always right. have a partner. Well, on our trip, we are your partner to go wheeling with. Well, and many times your rock rollers, it's like, it's the same. That guy has been doing that particular spot for years. This is what he does. He loves it. He hangs out there and and your rock rollers, a lot of them, you do a lot of, you know, moving guys around and taking care of them, especially on hot days, but, but they, they know their stuff and they're all experienced wheelers and you're right. 
it is not about stopping and trying to figure something out. It's like, okay, go here, 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 here's your spot. We're going to get you through to the next guy. And when it's working, and I, I admit, I've only been in with the group a couple of times. I think I did a couple of times. And from that point forward, I took vendor privilege and started going in early. Um, but it's it, going in with that group. It is a consistent flow of people. And occasionally you have a problem and that's just what happens on the trail. But even then you guys solve that so well. You have all the mechanics out there uh, doing their stuff, ready to take care of people. You know, it, it's, it is truly an epic event that needs to be on anybody's bucket list. Absolutely. You know, and the listeners are saying, oh my gosh, what am I going to do when I break down and stuff? In 67 years, we've never left nobody stranded out there. Everybody's been able to go home on their own power. That's amazing. That's awesome. That is absolutely amazing. And what does that actually mean? Well, that, sometimes it means parts are flowing in by helicopter. Or, you know, I know what your system is now because I know you had a couple of changes with things, but Parts are there. Guys like the guys at Buck Island bring a boatload of parts in. Um, your your mechanics um, down there at, at the Springs have a boatload of parts. And after all these years, you kind of know what breaks and what doesn't. So you get there's I'm sure there's that rare occasion. But as the president of this organization, I mean, what what is your day spent like when you're planning? Obviously, you get closer and closer to the event. But what do you spend your days doing when you're trying to plan? an event of this magnitude? You know, that's uh, a good question. First off, I, I have a very good uh, uh, Bible, I guess you'd say, a book that is, you know, my uh, past partners have scripted pretty good. And I, I pretty much, I follow that, you know. We've been going for 67 years now and you you follow the the steps that have been developed. Don't, don't change it because it all worked. You know, it's worked for 67 right. years. I change it, you know, and right. I kind of just follow along. I put out fires as I need to, but all in all, it's a lot of planning. It's, you know, the groceries, the, the, the count, the cancellations, the whatever you got to make sure you have everything for the first person, the third person, the 20th person, the 200th person, the 1600th person, they all get the same uh, treatment. Right. So let's talk about like, so, so, you know, you do a steak dinner. Okay. And I just want these guys to understand there is no like supermarket right there. All that food, <laughs> all that drink, all that stuff, all the corn on the cob, all that stuff has to be brought in by volunteers. Many of them coming down Cadillac Hill, which they, you know, is not an easy task with a trailer, a heavy, trailer. I, I, a heavy trailer full of stuff. How many pounds? of steak do you bring in well we get them special cut for us and they are a pound and a quarter each a pound you get a pound and a quarter each for dinner yeah <laughs> now, it's 1600 large. steaks yes 1600 pound and a quarter steaks we we, and, bring, we don't we we count about 10 percent over because uh, you you got some of them that won't cook just right or the cooks want to nibble on some or we hand out, um, you know, so we, we go about 10% over on all our food for that reason. And if there was an emergency, it's like a few years back, we had a fire on Cadillac Hill. Everybody had to stay in one more day. Mm. Well, we just can't count on just those 14 meals. We have to count on in case something happens, we can still take care of everybody. So right. we bring in a little bit extra. 
so we can do that. Right. Wow. And you have you have a cooler on site, that big cooler that really yes, becomes sir. storage in the off years, right? But then it's yes. it's the it's the cooler for all the food. Brian, so you got the food. I, I mean, and understand, guys, you're getting fed right. I mean, the breakfasts are full breakfast. The the uh, the lunch is a big sandwich or something like that, and dinner is gonna fill you up. I mean, it's the the meals have always been impressive. That's why we don't have just a little ten inch plate. We give you that big oval <laughs> plate because we are filling it. There you the go. Room. Yeah. Bob, how big how how big is the Rubicon Springs property? So I'm guessing it starts when you cross the bridge. Um, does it go back to where the mansion's at and then all the way past Dirty Dozen? Yes, it does. It it's a little over a section. Oh, okay. So six hundred and forty acres. Yes, yes. Well, I just learned that. So a section is six hundred and forty acres. Yes, it one is. square mile. Yep. Wow. Yep. See, I just I just learned something new today. My my vocabulary just jumped up. <laughs> Not a ch- that's that is uh, that's a that's big. Yeah, that's a lot that's of land. Of, it's yeah. a lot of land. It's a lot of land. And you know, with uh, with today's times, what's going on? Lacey and I in the office, we spent over seventy man hours on drawing up, writing up a COVID nineteen package because. As everybody knows, Jeepers Jamboree is a little different than a restaurant or a bar or an office. So all these COVID plans that were out there really didn't match what what we have going on out there in the Rubicon. So we drew up this plan showing where our outhouses were, showing everything, showing how we were going to keep everybody, you know, safe and sound. And we had to take a aerial map of Rubicon Springs and mark out where everything is. And then in that map, we marked where we were going to put hand sanitizers, um, more washing areas so you can wash your hands for the 20 minutes that they want you to do and all this stuff. We, wow. we, we put that into the county and they went, beautiful, but we still can't help you out, Bob. You know, we can't <laughs> give you that paperwork. This is beautiful. Right. Well, it, come to find out here, I noticed on social media the other day, that Cal Four Wheel is putting on a um, poker run. And so I asked, hey, how did you guys get the green light to do this? And they finally answered back saying the Forest Service gave them the permission, the permit to do it because of their COVID plan. Well, I mentioned that to Lacey and Lacey goes, well, I kind of sent that to him. So just know that our plan is, you know, all these hours that we just put in is working for somebody. Well, hey, can you send over to Modern Jeeper? We need it for our next Modern Jeeper adventure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, give, we'll give you a byline to, yeah. credit. <laughs> uh, how about we publish it on modernjeeper.com as the, you know, as a recommended um, guidelines for putting on events. <laughs> Right. No, no kidding. Well, it's good wow. that that work though did not go to to waste, and and I guess you know that says a lot about our jeepers and our our jeeping community is that we are out there to support one another, even in a competitive environment. Um, you know, we're all as a business, uh, you got to make money to stay afloat, and it takes money to to play the game, and yet here we are, we we step across our boundaries and help each other out whenever we can. 
Corey, absolutely. You know, we all have the love of off-roading. And, you know, you, you mentioned competitor. I, I don't look at any of the events as a competitor to Jeepers Jamboree. Because if you've talked to your friend or if you've been on our trip, you'll understand what Jeepers Jamboree is about. And you're going to, it's a bucket list first off, but it's, it's a, uh, ongoing thing. You come once you're going to look forward to coming year after year because of the camaraderie and what we do in Rubicon Springs, there's nobody else that does what we do. So I I feel we don't compete against nobody. The only thing we do compete about is the same dates. It's like, um, all for fun. Every few years, it falls on the same weekend as Jeepers Jamboree. So yep. people have to juggle. Well, do I go here or do I go there? You know, so that that's that's the only thing is the, the date, not as the trip as a competitor. It's the dates. Well, and you've got guys that have, this is their vacation, not only on the volunteers, like the for generations, right? The families have been coming out. Some of your volunteers have been doing this when they were kids. And now this is what they're doing. And it really is the family vacation for that two week period between Jeepers Jamboree and Jeep Jamboree. This is what they do annually. Um, It's incredible. The the passion of the volunteers, the passion of the people involved, and then of the attendees is, is, yeah, I don't think anybody can match that. No, not at all. It's, you know, like you said, the families, you know, we have some of our cooks and some of our rock rollers, they're, they're second and third generations of families that's been supporting Jeepers Jamboree. And it's really wow. neat. It, we, wow. we are all one large family. Right. Wow. That's incredible. So Jeep Jamboree, and just for everybody knows, Jeep Jamboree is the family oriented event, right? Yes, so it it's, is. It's the age it, of six on up six and up which i've done both and jeepers is definitely a party 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 go 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 and jeep jamboree was incredibly relaxing it was you know there were the kids were around it was fun um i just enjoyed it because it was just so relaxing uh being able to hang out by it and not not feel like i had to be mr metal cloak the whole time right i could just go out there and enjoy the trip and enjoy the event and so I, if, if you have a family and you want to go do the Rubicon Trail, Jeep Jamboree may be the way to go because it really is uh, a chance for your kids to have fun. Because you guys have like remote controlled uh, Jeeps out there and stuff for education programs and all kinds of great things for the kids to do, right? Yes. Yeah. On Jeep Jamboree, we have a program that we started five years ago and we call it Camp Rubicon. So we... the. The folks bring their kids in, and we're trying to educate our future of off-roaders. We, we teach them about tread lighting, tread lightly. We teach them um, the outdoors. You know, why is the beaver chewing down that tree? Why is he building a dam? Um, why is the rattlesnake? You know, what to watch for. We take them out on hikes. Uh, last year, or was it? No, yes, it was last year, uh, Rubicon Trail Foundation teamed up with Rugged Radio. Rugged Radio gave them radios to give out to each child and taught, taught them how to use a radio and the purpose of the radio. You know, it's an emergency wow. and it's communication. It was really neat for the kids. That's awesome. You know, this year we were going to take them on a hike along the trail and show them uh, the BMPs on cleaning up, you know, where the the water flows so it's not polluting our water, mm. Where uh, how to clean up oil spills to clean up the trash, all those things is what our plan was this year. Mm. 
Dang, I, I know a lot of adults that could probably benefit from uh, Camp Rubicon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, we asked for the, the mom and dads to come along, too. It's not We're not a daycare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to drop them up. Oh, here, they take care of the kids for the next few hours. Thanks. Here we go. We're going with them. Bye. Yeah, or go belly up, or go belly up to the bar and say, "Here, take my kids. I'm going over here." No, 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 that's not what it's about. We we want to educate all, so you know they can go home and explain it to their kids after they forgot too. Right, right. Or the kids can correct them. Mommy, Daddy, you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first trip, um, which I always have referred to as adult summer camp, there's age limits on it. Correct. Yes, there is. Yeah, it's uh, age of 16 on up. Gotcha. Oh. Cool. So most of the 16-year-olds, yeah, stay away at night. Stay away from the bonfire. You get to go go back and stay at camp. <laughs> they have their own gathering. Okay. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to see what's going on around the bonfire at night. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's also we, we kind of, you know, I'm, I'm hoping most kids when they're 16, they kind of realize what's going on in life. Right. You know, they, they've been uh, they've got their driver's license by now. Hopefully they've been a good kid and mom and dad allowed that, you know, so they're a little more older. If I'm, I'm really hoping the parents, if their child is a little immature of that, then they say, no, son or daughter, you, you got to wait for a couple more years. The, the hope can be there. Gotcha. The hope can be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bob, how, how did you get started all this? Is it a generational thing for you? Uh, actually, it, it's kind of funny. A very good friend of mine, Rob Mainwaring, uh, when we were in school, said he was always out doing this. And at that time, I did not know really know my family history in the Rubicon and Jeepers Jamboree. And I was Rob Mainwaring's guest for many years. And there came an opportunity you know, first I was his guest and then I became a rock roller out on the trail. And then there was an opportunity for a share to come up. I bought the share in Jeepers Jamboree. And as the years went on, I kind of was reading the history. And then my father opened up to me and told me a little bit more of the history. And I found out that my great, great grandfather in 1887 signed the declaration to make the Rubicon a County Road. I also found out my grandfather and my grandmother on my dad's side were on the first eight Jeepers Jamborees. They were oh, on, wow. um, they, they were on, um, oh shoot. They were, they were involved with Eldorado County. So they were with Mark Smith and um, all the other fellows at the round table making the plans for Jeepers Jamboree. That's wow. cool. That's so cool. You became president Fairly recently, right? The actual title of president. I've I've now been the president of Jeepers Jamboree for seven years. Okay, seven years. So, but prior, but you, as far as I know, you've always been kind of the guy. So, what were you before you were president? I kind of was just the mouthpiece of uh, Jeepers Jamboree. <laughs> <laughs> he mean, was just you, the guy. <laughs> just yeah. he was the guy because you've always been the guy, right? I mean, it's ever since I've been on the. Uh, Jeepers Jamboree, it's you were the guy, you were the guy out there, you're the guy doing the event, guy doing the giveaways. I mean, it's always been Bob Sweeney's show, so it's it's great that you actually got that that president role, and now you are the guy, yes, yes. You know, I, I, uh, I guess, uh, I, my, my family kind of is into the politics, so they kind of were always in front, and my partners kind of said, 
here you go, Sweeney, get up there, take care of this. And I was uh, the guy, like you said, you know, I stood up in front of the people and I spoke, you know, uh, I, I was the one that uh, talked Rob into talking before I was a director and for us going out and advertising, going to the shows and setting up a booth and getting out there and really being involved, getting it, getting in front of people. Mm. Right. And really promoting it. And you have people that come from all over the world, right? I mean, this is, what's the, what are some of the countries that people come to Jeepers Jamboree from? We get them from Canada, from Norway, from Iraq. Uh, Where else? Norway. I've met, I think I've met guys from China. Um, on a trip i've i've met guys that were that were coming through god there was a there was a group uh, and they had medical parts too and i'm trying to remember they were from from the middle east they were from uh, dubai or something over in that area so you get uh you get quite a quite a variety yes yes we do i mean it's it's really awesome you know but think about it jeepers jamborees the longest the oldest going trip so we're very nationwide known it's it's a bucket list for everybody. There's a Jeep named after the trail. So who would not want to go and wheel right. the Rubicon where their Jeep is named after or where they got the tag on the side of their Jeep saying trail rated? Exactly. Right. And, and, and for the price, because what does a ticket cost for an individual? This year it was for the four day, it was uh, 465 so four hundred and sixty five dollars for yourself, and usually you have, you have two people or whatever go, but you you you, know, you figure a thousand bucks for a couple of people to go in. you get to go in on this trail on this trip, all that food is provided, everything is taken care of, you're guided in, you have rock rollers making sure that you're safe and and uh, and guiding you and giving you and the camaraderie and the people you meet and the fellow jeepers you meet that you have you, you, you you may have never had an opportunity to meet as many people doing it, whether you're new or highly experienced. I mean, what a deal, Corey. We, we, you know, right. for what yeah. they're doing, we couldn't do that. We've, we've, you know, our Rubicon trip was, was you know, several times that, but it it's, it is quite a deal to be able to do that. And what a great opportunity for people to be able to, to do it. And for doing that for so many years, uh, my hat's off to you, Bob. I thank yeah, you. For you sure. know, it's 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 really nice. You know, we all wheel it everywhere, all different times, and cook for ourselves. How many times have you opened up that ice chest to go ahead and cook dinner, and the ice is melted, and your food now is floating in that water, and you're going, "Oh, I wonder how this <laughs> is going to hook up." <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? And that's the nice thing about Jeepers Jamboree. Our food is not floating in water. It is fresh, and we're going to feed you three awesome meals a day when mm-hmm. when you're on. And and as Corey, you were talking about, you know, the, the waterfalls, the beauty of the area. How much of Rubicon Springs of those 400 and whatever acres? Um, see, I already forgot, right? So thanks a lot for me. Yeah, six um, six forty six forty is a section. Six six forty. Okay, six hundred and forty acres. How many of those 640 acres are the actual like springs camping area? Uh, right about 80 acres. 80 acres. So 80 acres of camping, of fun, of 
the the springs itself, which is beautiful, the um the the lake, the waterfalls, the it just. I'm I'm sitting here and and uh, Corey's not going to get this as much and you're not as much because you've both been on the trail this year. But I'm sitting here going, God damn it! I need to get a, my Jeep out there. <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm like I'm going through withdrawals just trying to describe this to people. You don't understand just how beautiful it is. And the beauty of that course is there's the place like Rubicon Springs. There's only two ways to get to it. If you discount a helicopter, the only two ways to get to it is either on the trail or walking, right? It's not like there's some other bypass road you can go by there and check it out. So to, to see to see this beautiful oasis out there in the middle of of the Sierras, you've got to get there by the trail. And it's probably the most exciting trip you will have to get there, enjoy this amazing oasis for a couple of days, and then drive out and end up at Tahoe. You know, it, I just it just I will hammer on this as much as I can. I'll probably sound like a broken record, but just go out and do it. Well, and, and remember one of the things that even Mark Smith uh, in the early days, he, the Rubicon Trail, a Jeep on 35s can be driven into Rubicon Springs. Um, that's, you know, I've seen in, well, even just this last trip we made out there, these guys roll in there on 42s and full blown buggies. Um, yeah, that's really not the thing. That's that, that may be cool for them. And I get it. We're all wheeling together and, and uh, do you want to go up into some some other areas like the old sluice and and things like that? Um, okay, I, I get it. But the family Rubicon, I mean, that's what's meant to get into the springs, and that's why the rock rollers are out there so that folks can go experience that place and enjoy its beauty and have somebody like Bob's group take care of you. Um, that's it's it's yeah unexplainable. The words don't don't really get it. Exactly, Corey. You know, and that's one thing I tell people always is, you know, Jeepers Jamboree can take a stock vehicle through there. Anything you bolt on enhances your ride. You know, you get a Metal Cloak lift kit. You get, you know, everything that Metal Cloak sells or any of the other guys, it's going to enhance your ride. But we can take a stock vehicle through there because we have the rock rollers. They'll stack the rocks. They'll do whatever it takes. So you and your family or you and your buddy are having the best time you can ever have. That's awesome. Very well said. So Bob, let's talk a little bit about you, a little more about you. So you've been doing this for a long time. When did you get your first Jeep? This is about Jeepers, Jeeping, and Jeep. So when did you get your first Jeep? I I was the age of 17, I believe. I got and my what, first Jeep. And what was it? It was a nice little yellow CJ5 with a little odd fire in it. An odd fire? <laughs> a little V. It was a V6 in it. And I'll tell you what, it was the most fun Jeep I ever had. My TJ today just makes it way too easy. The CJ5, it was knuckle, white knuckles having fun. Wow. That's, That's awesome. awesome. And how long did you have that? I... I actually still own it. <laughs> well, he, he's nice. only 25 now, so. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Yeah, actually, <laughs> my son has possession of it. And the year I gave it to my son is the year I bought my TJ. Mm-hmm. And so we took my TJ up there. And my son was, uh, what was James? James was, I think, 13 years of age. And we had a rookie riding with him. 
and they were, it was funnier than heck. They were going up Cadillac and they just come up around the V rock. And we had a, a Cadillac tilt, uh, telescopic wheel on it. So he could, cause he was a small dude. So this was able to get the steering wheel cl- up close to him. Well, going up around the V rock, the steering wheel got really close to him cause it came unbolted. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh. He is now holding the steering wheel, not connected to nothing. And he looks over at this guy that, which is, if you all ran up Cadillac, you know how it is going up around V-Rock. You kind of pucker, especially in a short wheelbase rig, because the front end's kind of lifting up on you. Well, he Mm -hmm. gets there, and the wheel comes off, and he looks over at Terry and says, here, you want to (laughs) steer? It was really good. I I, I, oh, I, I love telling that story. About did Terry son. make it back? Did he ever come back again? I know he didn't, actually. Yeah. <laughs> James told me his knuckles got whiter and whiter, man. He held on and just, no, no, no. And James kind of just put the steering wheel back on the threads and kept on going. Yeah, that only happened to me once on my uh, on the race rig in the middle of a race, the steering wheel popping off because they were all quick, quick disconnect. But... Uh, yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> want to run Cadillac. Uh, but now you're, uh, your son, uh, you guys do ultra four, right? They do an ultra. Yes, four we race? do. Yes, yeah, we, we do. do. Uh, we, uh, my son was, uh, 16 years of age and we were doing sprint cars mm. and, you know, we're off-roaders, but we were doing the roundy round for quite a few years. And here a few years back, he was burnt out of going left. So we uh, got an opportunity to, uh, you know, Ultra 4. It looked like it was sticking around, so I did the investment. We sold all our sprint cars and bought a 4,400 car. And who'd you buy it from? Oh, what was his name? Unfortunately, he passed away. Is oh. was um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. But uh, oh, we got a pretty good deal. Uh, Dave Cole and uh, Camo. Uh, set us up with this car it's uh it's an older car it was one of it was built 12 years ago and 12 years ago it was one of the elite cars out there mm-hmm. unfortunately he never got to race it he went out shock tune and crashed it i bought it crashed and oh yeah uh, that was eric morales's car yes eric okay, morales. yeah yes, yeah yes. yeah uh yeah diabetes yeah yeah, so, Eric Morales. He uh that's right. That that was one built car too. I mean, and Eric didn't you know, he didn't uh, have any problem with money. So he uh he built that car and yeah, it, it had a big tumble during shock tuning, but then he rebuilt it and um that's right. I forgot that. I forgot that was a car you had. Yes, yes. Nice piece. So we're in the middle of uh freshening it all up again. We ran uh King of the Hammers year before last with it. And uh, my son had to go through LCQs, uh, got into the big race, started 74th. First lap, he was sitting 18th and went out, kept going good. Then uh, we lost the driveline, the front yoke. They they fixed that, and they ended up scoring him at uh, 32nd out of 111 cars. That's awesome. That's incredible. And then we brought her up here to uh, Sacramento, to Prairie City, and ran, uh, I believe that uh, was your guys' race that you sponsor. Right, right. And Stampede. Stampede last year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, him and Waylon kind of tangled. And let me back up first. So we're prepping the car. We're in the shop. And I told James, I says, you know, one really neat thing about these cars is I'm not going to see you tumble it anymore. Go flipping end over end. 
Well, I jinxed myself. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. they're out there in their heat, and Waylon Campbell loses a, a belt, so he had no steering, and James was on the outside of him, and Waylon kind of came into the first corner, came up, and James rode his uh, front tire, and he looked like the sprint car going end over end. I went, huh, guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, oh. it, it, it took out our front end really bad. So oh, we've no. been in the middle of rebuilding that. It's just, you know, my son and I working on it. So it's as the dollars uh, cure, I put them into the car. <laughs> and as cool. a lot of people that have those 4,400 cars, they're very pricey, the parts parts are. And it's yeah. not like here where we're sitting here at Metal Cloak, the parts are not sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Everything is <laughs> right. custom. Everything so. is custom, everything there. And it's it's the big thing about those races. It's I don't care if you have a car like mine, which was that old CJ7 or uh, a 4,400 car. Every race costs you money. And because something breaks or something has to get replaced or something has to get massaged. And when you do with that, and you're right, it's just, it is a money pit. It's an enjoyable money pit because when you're racing, man, there's nothing like that. But it is, it is a money pit. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jesse, I hear you're laughing back there. because, <laughs> Of course. Uh, you know how I feel about the racing. So, <laughs> I, Yeah, it's in, your, it's in your blood. It's, yes, uh, it is. Yeah. So, and you, you know, same thing. It's all, it all comes down to what you can afford. Heck, I just went on, um, I know you guys saw it on Facebook, and man, the name is going to escape me, but uh, there's a car being sold on mm-hmm. Facebook as a um and it's 350 spots and you're buying a digital picture for 250 bucks and there'll be 11 winners 10 of them will get cash one of them gets the car so it's uh it was like i threw 250 bucks at it i'm like yeah oh well i I, it's just fine who knows yeah i i I, okay but if i get it i'll say you right as long as you bring me with you i'm not gonna race it it. i'm not that dumb i'm not gonna race it (laughs) But our my you know, our good friend Randy Avery has always just mm. needed a car, so I mm. pledge right now if I win it, Randy Avery gets to drive it. Um, there you go. It's just it's just it's the type of thing I wish that he was. He has so much talent and his ability to drive anything, and just not the ability to have a car or put it because it it, it costs a lot to have a good car. Yeah. So it it's, uh, but yeah, it, it, the opportunity to, to be in that, that game, it's just, a, it's just amazing. And I, I'm glad you and your, your, uh, your kid get to do that, Bob. I just recently decided I'm going to get back into racing, but not, uh, in the expensive ultra four or anything, unless I win that car. Um, I'm, I'm getting a go-kart. I want to get a go-kart oh. and, and just do some kart racing, at, you know, and it's, and the funny thing was yesterday I was at a neighbor's house who's moving, he's moving to Florida, getting out of California, moving to Florida, going through his gar- garage. And I look in the corner, and I go, hey, is that a go-kart wheel? And he goes, oh, that's a full-on cart. And he's got this full-on performance cart with a, he's, I have to learn more about it. It's like a Pirelli 125 tagged engine or something, which apparently means that in the straightaways, he can do 100 miles an hour in that thing. Wow. And, um, yeah. And he spent $1,500 just on the engine. And uh, I think I'm going to buy it off him for like 1200 bucks or something. And probably needs a little bit of work has been sitting for so long, but uh, you know, it's like for my kids and it's, it's like you were saying, Bob, for my kids, I just want them to have the fun of going out and seeing dad racing and being in that little environment as opposed to, 
you know, the, the off-road stuff that, that costs way so much money. Well, also it, 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 you know, you'll be able to get, once your boys, they get older, they'll be able to get exactly, into it. You know? Exactly. That, that's where my oh. son started was in the carts. He was nine yeah. years of age and he got into the outlaw carts and yeah. that was, it was awesome. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So as they get older, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk to you. Yeah, it's really a good camaraderie between parents and friends. You know, it's something to go hang out in the garage, wash and tinker and then go to the track and show them what, why you just spent that time in the garage doing what you did. And now you go out and this is the payoff for it. Right. Well, and talk about payoff, Bob, you have definitely the, the work and the effort that you've done. Um is world-class man. you know, the, the stuff you do with Jeepers Jamboree and every year, just, just working so hard to make sure that all these Jeepers new and old, just get to in, have the time of their life. I mean, my, like I said before, my hat's off to you. And it's just too bad that we weren't able to make it happen this year, but for everybody out there, the Rubicon trail is still there. And uh, we're pretty much presuming that next year, you know, knock on wood, everything's going to be back to normal. Absolutely. You know, watch out. The 69th is going to be wild. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait, you know, and first off and all, everybody that's listening, we are very sorry. We could not put on, if you were registered for Jeepers Jamboree, we are very bummed that it went on. You know, there's some folks, we, we ended up calling every participant and speaking to them about rolling over their uh, fees this year for next year for the 69th or we reimbursed them. Um, There was, we had a refund policy that some folks couldn't understand. I have costs. I have an office manager that I pay. I have costs through the uh, square, you know, that they charge me. And I'm sorry that some of the folks felt the $35 we charged them to refund their money. I'm very sorry that you, you, you took it wrong or whatever. It's not that we were running to the bank with that. That was to cover our costs. Oh, so that makes sense to me. Yeah, I hope everybody that's listening <laughs> understands, you know, Jeepers Jamboree has been around for many, many years, and we plan on being around for a whole bunch more. I plan on handing my share over to my son. And mm. if you took it wrong, I'm very sorry, but we're going to be there year after year. So please come back and have a good time on the Rubicon with us because it will be your best time you'll ever have. Amen. Definitely. Amen. Uh, Corey, well, you know, sounds a good time for a tech tip. Of course, we didn't really talk about what we wanted to do for a tech tip. Anything come up on the trails recently? Well, you know, as we were running around here in San Juans, and this kind of makes <laughs> sense even that are out on the Rubicon, um, some of the issues that came up after we left here with the rain uh, and the weather were rock slides and mudslides and mm. being prepared. So I was kind of thinking about, uh, and this this even happens on the Rubicon, where you know, even all the wheels, all the all the years that I've been on the trail, we kind of we limit what we take. And again, we we talk a lot about what to bring with you on the trail as far as tools and things like that. <clears throat> But the San Juans, there were some mudslides and some rock slides up on Black Bear and Imaging Pass and on Red Mountain. Search and rescue got called out. And I don't know that we prepare enough, you know, that extra drive shaft isn't really going to make a difference when you're stuck up at 13,000 feet 
on the hillside of a mountain with pouring down rain. Uh, so maybe we need to kind of evaluate what we take with us, especially in the mountains, especially a place like the Rubicon when you're so far from anything. If somebody get hurt, um, you know, do you have a way to communicate with anybody? Do you have a blanket? Uh, well, it's it's so hot outside. I'm not going to need a blanket. Well, that that can change very very fast. So I, I just maybe thought maybe we'd take a second and just talk about a little bit of the the hey I might have to spend the night out here or what are those circumstances where we the, a, a crescent wrench isn't going to help me get out of my predicament and make sure you have a good first aid kit yeah mm. for sure it, that, that always kind of comes naturally to me because I'm I'm more prepared for that circumstance than I am prepared for doing a mechanical breakdown and rebuild my vehicle right and sure, so sure. I, you know, I always have the survival stuff with me. I always have the, you know, the, the, the backpack with the stuff, the need, the, the survival blankets, the extra clothes, the, the boy scout and me always over prepares on that side. And it, it doesn't really take a lot. You know, you can have a backpack you throw in the back of your, your rig. And I, I say backpack because, you know, Bob can testify to this. There's a lot of times you can go out and just have to, you just to go hiking. And have a little backpack with these essentials like the first aid kit and, and uh, you know, a, a good knife. I always use a Leatherman. Um, a good, uh, you know, s- s- even some extra energy bars and, and water, a water bottle, things like that. These little things you need because you may have to abandon your vehicle and take a hike. Or you may have to, to your point, uh, stay there overnight. Um, it's good to have that stuff. Just throw in a backpack that you can easily throw on and, and, uh, and, do what you need to survive for those next 24 hours or whatever it's going to take. Absolutely. You know, you know, earlier, Mattson, you mentioned, you know, it's an hour and 20 minutes up to the Rubicon from you. It's, it's 35 minutes for me to the trailhead. I go on a lot of little weekend or day runs up on the weekend up to the Rubicon and just enjoy it. But when I do do that, I have a bag with me with a blanket, with a sweatshirt, with a knife, with a little bit of food, and a ham radio. Mm, so very good point. Get, if something happens, you can always reach somebody to get help. That's a very good point. No. Yeah, it, it, it's the opportunity to have that out there. Now, a lot of times, we guys will be out there with the rugged radios and that sort of thing, may be able to reach somebody on Weatherman or some other common channel. But actually having a ham radio and taking the time to get a ham license, it's not that hard. Uh, and if you're going out wheeling with people in, in isolated areas where there's no cell signal or anything like that, which it is in the Rubicon, another great enjoyment of being on the Rubicon is that you have no cell signal and it's totally awesome. Um, and, but you, it's having that ham radio and that being able to, to reach somebody is, is incredibly important. Definitely. Yeah. There, there's always somebody going to be on the other end that can always help you on a radio. Always. That's awesome. That's a very good point, Bob. So, yeah. So what was it like with these, were these slides that were there just across the trail, Corey, or, or what was the deal? So we had so much rain come down in such a short amount of time that, um, you know, that there's, there's a lot of water up in the San Juans and, and that's why a lot of those mountain pass roads, these trails don't open. Uh, you know, Black Bear just opened a, a few weeks ago because of the amount of snow that was still up on the pass. When the rains come, that that dirt is still very soft. You know, it's 
and it's so different than like the Rubicon Trail that has so much granite and rock. Um, there's a lot of mud and a lot of dirt up there. And a lot of the, the old mining sites are real soft dirt. So when there's a whole bunch of it, uh, things kind of let go. And when there's switchbacks, it's very hard to, to control erosion. So you have switchbacks very steep on the side of a mountain and you get a ton of rain, something that rain's got to go somewhere. So yeah, there was a few little rock slides and then uh, the the very bottom, Bridalville Falls, down near the base of Black Bear Pass actually flowed a lot and like it moved trees. It was similar to a kind of a snow avalanche where there's a lot of mud and debris and, and large rock uh, came across the trail. But, you know, it's also interesting too because the 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 road crews in these areas expect that kind of stuff. They had two track hose up there like in a few hours and the next morning the pass was open. But again, people were stuck. Search and rescue goes out. You know, they don't know how many people are up on these trails. They closed Red Mountain, Imogene, and Black Bear all in the same afternoon. So there was really no way for folks to get back over to this side of the mountains. Um, yeah, it's just something you got to be watchful of. And when the weather starts to change, it's probably a good idea if you're in the high country to come down. Electrical storms at, at 13,000 feet are not where you want to be. <clears throat> no joke. No joke. What's well, one of the rules when you're climbing something like Mount Whitney is, is it starts yes. getting cloudy up there. You stop. You just, you just yes. turn around. You don't, you don't even try to summit it. You're, you're, it's bad juju. That's now, right. We, wheeling in bad weather is interesting because Will just wheeled. Uh, he just went up the Rubicon, took uh, um, one of our, jobbers came by and visited and they went up on Saturday and Sunday and they got slammed at one moment. It was, it was weird, Bob. It was like a Sacramento was totally fine, but up there, there was this, you know, little thunderstorm that came through hail and water and all kinds of stuff. And you, it, you kind of start thinking when you're out there on the rocks like that, cause I've, I've never wheeled a Rubicon in the rain. Um, but at, at a, you have to think differently when you're in a bad weather on how you wheel, you have to think differently about how you, how you approach everything because suddenly that rock face you always seem to go up uh-uh. and it's not so pretty when it's got water on it so they must have been over spider lake area i was in rubicon springs and the dark clouds came over and we got very little but listening to the radio up in that area was getting hit really hard with that thunder shower that came through it, yeah i think they were actually going through little sluice at the time <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's not, you know, I've I've woke up there in the morning when it's been very quiet out and you wake up and you're going, oh, this is nice. Hey, something's going on outside. And you unzip the tent and there's an inch and a half of snow on the ground. You go, hmm, <laughs> it's going to be interesting getting out. <laughs> uh, you, yeah. When it when it happens in the spring, it's just some, just for uh, for our listeners, what sort of considerations do you take when you're willing um, in those environments, because this it's a little different than going out and just playing in the snow, especially when you've just got an inch and a half, which all it's really doing is making everything cold and making everything wet. Yeah, it's just it makes it slipperier and heck. And you know, sometimes you you don't know where the trail is. Luckily, I've been there enough that I kind of know my way around. But you, it, it changes the whole view of that granite, and you really have to pay attention because, like you said it gets slippery. That granite gets very slippery and it could put your rig into a very dangerous spot real fast. So if you don't know what you're doing, you should probably wait until you meet somebody who does. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't, don't take the risk. Don't take the risk. Well, it also comes down to a lot of times it's better to go out unless you are highly experienced and you have, you know, an easy access to friends. If you get stuck, go wheel with other friends. Don't go by yourself. I don't care where it is. It's always good. Yeah. It's always better and more fun anyway to have, have another Jeep or Jeepers with you. So just, yeah, it's like scuba diving. It's not good to do it by yourself. Right, Corey? That's right. Yeah. And if you don't like your, your friends that you wheel with, well, then go find some new ones. <laughs> There's plenty of them out there. There's plenty of off-roaders. That's right. Out there, That's know? right. There's modern Jeepers all over the country and around the world. Well, it seems like a good time to, uh, to wrap up. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, I think we're good. This has uh, been a great episode. Bob, again, thanks for joining us. How can people reach out to you and reach out to uh, Jeepers Jamboree? At uh, jeepersjamboree.com. We uh, look forward to talking to everybody and seeing everybody next year on the trail. And just like uh, everybody, uh, Al Matson said, the Rubicon is a public road. You can use it year-round. The Rubicon Springs are very good folks. Go in and visit them. Say hi. Stay overnight. It's it's a it's a gorgeous place. Yeah, the caretakers sure. do such an amazing job down there. And and what does it cost to, if somebody just wanted to, to camp there overnight? What's what's the fees? I believe it's uh twenty five dollars a vehicle. Yeah, and that and that's nothing, guys, for yeah. the beauty you have down there to help support that area. And again, they always that's do true. an amazing job of keeping that place uh, um, year round. You're beautiful. So. Uh, well, Corey, what do you guys, so you got more stuff going ahead and, uh, we'll talk in next week about our, our, our further adventures, but I hope you have fun this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be, um, should be interesting. You know, it's, we were sitting here watching the weather and we got home and it was a little cloudy, but mostly blue skies. It's pouring down rain right now. And that was not on the weather app. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, again these afternoon showers. They just pop up. So no, it's going to be a good weekend. And uh, yeah, thanks, Bob. It's good chatting with you. Uh, I wish I would have had more time out there. I would love to stop in and say hi. Absolutely. Next time you're out here, look me up. You know, and it's by the way, it's 101 out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, blue skies, 101. It's another beautiful day. I had the top down on my little red TJ. I've been driving lately. I, I, I love. I just love that old rig. Uh, getting the cool. body here next week. So we'll talk about that. Hopefully I'll be picking it up over the weekend. Um, but you know, then driving that little red TJ around with the top, the soft top down, like, ah, this is fun. It's like a little sports car. Even in <laughs> California, you can do that all the time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> California living baby. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Corey. Thank you, Jesse. And uh, to all of our modern Jeepers, we'll see you on the trails. Cheers. See y'all See later. Thank you. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.